Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and streaming at KLIZ.com. Also find us at Podcast One, brought your way in part by our sponsors, Ernie's on Gull and Experience in Dining on the shores of Gull Lake, open year-round at 11 with deck and patio uh, seating. Ernie's, your happy place. And Craigan's Legacy Courses, home to the 2022 CRMC Classic, and, of course, the new Tom Lehman 18 closing in fast. Chris Foley with me for another week of uh, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Chris, how are you, my friend? I'm good, Mac. Good to be back after a busy uh, holiday weekend, and uh, we're in the throes of summer. Boy, everybody you talk to says, how can it be July 4th already? And now it's after July 4th. <laughs> yeah, golly. <laughs> Was uh, kind of a fun winner on the PGA Tour. You've got some Sea Island connections. Of course, you work there. Your son works there. And uh, a Sea Island guy did quite well in Iowa. Another of your, the John Deere, one of your favorites. Yeah, the JT Poston winning the, the John Deere. with a nice two-shot victory. is his second career win. Um, they see, For some reason, there, there's a lot of Sea Island guys who have won John Deere, Lucas Glover, and Jonathan Bird, and Zach Johnson, three, four times. Of course, Zach Johnson's kind of home tournament, uh, but a uh, great win for J.T. Poston. Poston, very emotional when it was done. Uh, that that second win for a lot of these guys on the PGA Tour, uh, I don't know what, what the mindset is, but it's like, I mean, winning one is obviously a, a lot of money and a life changer, but you win that second one, and it just seems like you're solidified forevermore when you have two wins. You know, I, I think that the first one is 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 really hard, and they, a lot of times they say the second one is more hard because it, it's kind of like you're trying to validate the first win. And, um, you know, if you look at the, the number of guys who win for a second time, it's uh, – Things definitely drop off, but uh, yeah, and great win for him and uh, another young, great player. You know, yeah, yeah, twenty nine nice. years old. So, yeah, LIV tour was out in Portland, which is uh, we talked about it last week. Not Portland, I'm sorry, Oregon, but a beautiful golf course that you uh, are familiar with. Yeah, Pumpkin Ridge. Yeah. Uh, they had the, the second of the LIV events and. Um, you know, a little more legitimate tournament this time. It's right. still just, uh, it's, uh, I don't know, it's, it's quite a show. It's quite an exhibition. They're, they're, they're certainly making an effort to hype it and make it different and, and those type of things. It's, uh, I don't know if it, if they're, if they're gaining credibility or not, but, uh, they certainly had a they had a, a little better field than the last time, and Brandon Grace winning, and uh, Dustin Johnson on the leaderboard. Yeah, yeah, they uh, had some some pretty big names up there. Well, Dustin was right among the leaders early on, so that gets him a little press, I'm sure. Uh, and yeah, the field was a little better. So, and and the, it's I mean it's it's a fight. So, I mean you got. Uh, couple guys on one side saying they're lying about us and a couple guys on the other side saying they're lying about us so <laughs> it's like a couple kids in the schoolyard you know it is it is yeah. uh every, everybody's fighting for their territory um you know it's it seems like i read something different every day and 
my opinions sway with the day, but uh, uh, they are here to stay at least temporarily. So uh, you either have to embrace it or, or uh, just not pay any attention to it at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. Then uh, everybody wants to uh, watch whenever Tiger's playing. And even though it was early week event, it was, uh, boy, star-studded, this uh, Pro-Am event, Chris, J.P. McManus. That was had a lot of the big stars of both uh, both tours now. Yeah, you know, the, they're, <laughs> the, the Pro-Am the, prior to the, the, or just after the Irish Open, it, it's really become one of the three great pro-ams in the in the world you know pebble beach being number one this one being number two and uh the dunhill Lynx championship at the end of september being number three and um you know they get an amazing field for these events and um yeah it's it's, it's a great great event they everybody getting ready for a lot of players getting ready for both the scottish open and the and the, the open championship next week and and uh Boy, Tiger looked great. Uh, play didn't score very well, but he certainly was driving the ball beautifully. Um, did not putt very well, but you wouldn't expect a lot from a guy who hasn't teed it up since the Masters. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, like you say, guy moves the needle. It's a pro-am tournament early week, and everybody's watching. But man, that field was about as good as you can get. I think better than most. Uh, Better than most uh, tournaments weekly, so a lot of big stars in the yeah, field. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and a, and a cool venue. It's a you know, preview to the to the uh, Ryder Cup in a couple of years, a Dare Manor, which is uh, just just outside the city of Ballybunion uh, in south southwest Ireland, and uh, neat golf course, but an incredible property and and resort. Uh, one of the beautiful places in the world couple of great guests coming up on the show, Dr. Morris Pickens and also Scott Hoffman, local designing legend. Should be a great show. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also KLIZ.com and find us on Podcast One as well at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Brought you away in part by SCR Northern. They're the guys and the gals who answer their phones 24-7 the ones with Old Man Winter on the trucks. Also, Whitefish Golf Course in Pequot Lakes, an experience that never disappoints, one of the area's premier 18-hole championship courses. Very special guest with us, uh, and we've had him on before. Chris, I'll let you handle the introductions. Yeah, I want to welcome back a good friend of the show, Dr. Morris Pickens from the Sea Island Performance Center in St. Simons Island, Georgia. We had him on a couple weeks talking about... Uh, kind of about the mental side of golf and i wanted to get him back on today to talk about uh preparation for the open championship welcome back mo yeah thanks Gus. uh good to be back so exciting time always headed over there so oh it's gonna be it's gonna be an epic week with 150th playing in the championship at st andrews and just uh gosh a lot of so much uh talk around golf right now both uh both from the playing side and just the world of tournament tournament golf is in a uh, upheaval right now. Yep. Uh, yep. Before we before we talk about the Open Championship, it, the Quad Cities seems to be a great spot for Sea Island guys. <laughs> yeah, it City does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, it's kind of amazing some of the success that guys have had there. Yeah. 
Well, J.D. Poston went in this weekend, who's a, a Sea Island resident, and with Jonathan Bird and, and Zach Johnson's won multiple times, and I, I actually I think a couple other players too. So, what what do you attribute you know, I mean, that Lucas, to, Mo? Oh, Lucas, yeah. Uh, I'm not really sure um, if, if there's a you know any any specific thing other than I think it's uh you know, a very fun week. It's a it's a pretty relaxing week. Um, and I think the vibe, I mean, if anything, it's just, a, you know, kind of a a fun week. And I think these guys choose to live in St. Simons because it's a fun place and an easy place and kind of a – and so I think they just feel very uh, at ease there. You know, there's not a lot of city traffic. There's not a lot of hustle and bustle. And it's like – and just show up and play golf, and, and that's what they're able to do at, at Sea Island. So maybe there's some connection there, but uh, it also could just be that everybody is – that tournament typically coming, you know, right before the Open or close to the Open, that they're getting ready for that and their games are peaking. So. You bet. That's great. Well, Mo, you're on your way to, uh, to the Open Championship uh, later this week. And uh, tell us – you know, I – what players are you going to be working with over there? And then kind of tell us what a week is like at a major championship. And you spend a lot of weeks on tour, but the majors I think are, are yeah. ramped up. And what, how, how does the, how does the week work and how do you help players prepare? Right. Well, I think uh, the first thing is getting them to understand that it, it's only a major in the terms of the media and how they label it. That, you know, we try to approach every tournament as, there are physical and mental demands to this golf course, whether it's Moline, whether it's Sea Island, or whether it's St. Andrews. Um, and how do we get ready for those physical demands? And yes, the greens, you know, at majors can be firmer and the rough can be higher and, and different things. But what, what I try to do is help them bring it back to, you know, physically, what do you need to do to get prepared to attack this golf course? Not, buying into all the kind of media hoopla about it being a major and being more important and more FedEx points and all these other things that really have no bearing on you physically competing against the golf course. So that would be the place that I always start with them. Um, and then specifically, you know, this tournament is you really play in a lot, a lot of times more win than we're used to. Uh, that can cause you to do different things it can cause you to actually get steeper with your swing and, and really kind of do that so we may have to do more after round practice than we would normally do to kind of work out some of that uh just so that you're kind of like hopefully not getting in some of those bad habits um but then mentally just understanding hey when you're playing the stretch of holes into the wind versus downwind um you know what it's going to be like and and sure if you're playing a stretch into the wind that you realize, okay, you know, hey, this is not necessarily a time where I, I need to be trying to think that I'm going to do a lot, but more, you know, staying patient, that sort of thing. Because, um, you know, when you're into the wind, literally the ball goes shorter and it curves more. And when you're downwind, the ball goes further and it curves less. So <laughs> it, it's just physically a different game, uh, and you have to be mentally prepared for that. So, you know, I think that's a, a big part of what I try to talk to them about. 
sure. And the, the turf conditions are so much firmer there than what they typically play on the PGA Tour. That's got to have a big impact as well. Yeah, it does. Um, I mean, at St. Andrews, specific, I mean, at, at different uh, venues as well over there, but St. Andrews, many times it's, it's hard to tell where the fairway stops and the green starts um, because they look so much alike. And it's, you know, sometimes you'll see and you'll, a caddy will put a bag down and you're like, is that bag on the green? You know, um, and and so you 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 do have to get ready for that in terms of preparation. Um, in the sense of like, you may be hitting a lot of longer putts uh, through the fairway that you wouldn't normally do. And at St Andrews, where they have double greens, I mean it's it's not unlikely to have some putts that are going to be 70, 80 feet, um, which typically you, you you would never really have. Uh, over here at least and so you know that'll um, play into some of our preparation um, that sort of thing you just and typically you get kind of rewarded if you want to you know um, fairly it's fair in the sense that everybody deals with it but you can sometimes hit a drive right down the middle of the fairway and it it hits on one side of a little hill and ricochets 30 yards forward another time it stops dead in its tracks so Sure. It can be really hard. You know, it can be hard to kind of plan out like, okay, this is the club we need to hit off the tee because this is probably where it's going to end up. Um, sure. Would, you know, it seems like it used to be guys would, you know, let's say they'd get to it, they'd arrive at a tournament uh, Monday or Tuesday and they'd play, you know, maybe 18 holes Monday, 18 holes Tuesday maybe a light day on Wednesday or Pro-Am and then, you know, the tournament starts and it seems like today guys are playing a lot less golf in preparation for an event and and maybe just practicing and getting to know the golf course less. What, a major week, does that change? Will they play more golf at St. Andrews? And uh, what, what's that, that prep like? Right. They'll play more if there's going to be different wins um, that are you know, indicative of what they might face throughout the week. Um, you know, it doesn't do a ton of good to play the golf course in a win that's going to be totally opposite. Um, I mean, there can be some value in just hitting shots in the wind, but, um, so, um, I think that's a part of it. And then I think another part of it is, um, you know, if we go back, you know, quite a while ago, 30, 40, 50 years ago, just the, the old adage of you just got to work harder. And I think a lot of guys now, uh, it's not that they're not working hard, but they have bought into working smarter. And with their whoop yeah. bands and when there are other ways of assessment, they pay more attention to their body's recovery because there's always, you know, a balance between preparation and rest. And I think the further you are from a tournament, the more you should value preparation. The closer we get, the more we will value rest. So, um, you know, next week, Monday versus Wednesday, uh, I would want them um, to, you know, have a longer day on Monday and really try to get in as much as we can because Wednesday, um, you know, we, we got to make sure that we're taking care uh, of our bodies, not only from a golf technical standpoint, but from a, just a foundational standpoint that we're going to be able to perform. And so I think there's I think there's a better understanding of that um, sure. than there were years ago. Sure, sure. So. How, 
how, how about, you know, the, especially at the Open Championship, the weather can change so rapidly. And, and playing in the morning or afternoon, if you get on the, the good side or the bad side of the draw, right. can make such an impact. Right. And with the size of the field at the Open Championship, I mean, they, they're still teeing off at late in the day. And right. how, how do you, you know, I, I, always, I always thought it was much, for me, it was much easier to play early in the day. Uh, I'd right. much rather do that than late in the day. What, how, how do you suggest? Let's say a guy has, has plays early, late. Right. What do they do in between? What do they do in between rounds? And how do you how do you occupy somebody to you know, so they're not uh, yeah. they're not too. Well, I think the first thing I think the first thing Chris would be um, getting them in the mindset that we're not going to know how the draw worked out until Monday when the tournament's done because it can change so rapidly that you can't base it off just what you're seeing Thursday, Friday. Um, now, I do think it changes over there, and, and the weather changes so abruptly because they have these little, you know, almost micro-environments that exist. Um, and, I mean, we've seen it happen before. We the, Those of us that are old enough can all remember um, – you know, Tiger and maybe Shigeki hiding behind the board when it was blowing so hard that one day. And Justin Leonard, you know, when he came off the golf course, was in 40th. And when it, the day was finished, he was in like 12th. Um, yeah. So I think getting players to understand we're not going to know if you got lucky or unlucky with the draw until the tournament is completely done. So we're not going to evaluate it until it's completely done. And there may be, you know, you may have gotten lucky or unlucky, but we there's nothing we can do about that anyway. So all that does is take our energy away from the things that we can control. So, that, I mean, that's – and some guys can buy into that better than others, just to be very honest. I mean, some guys are, are better able to let their focus go to the things that they can control, and then other guys are more easily distracted by the things that they can't control. Um, so, you know, specifically for me with Keegan and Zach – uh, you know, hopefully they'll be able to focus on the things that, that they can control. And, um, you know, so that's, uh, we'll get over there and we'll really focus on, I've already had uh, discussions with both of them. Keegan is playing the Scottish this week. Zach is uh, preparing uh, before he goes over at home. And both of them um, kind of are on different plans. Zach has a pretty detailed practice plan that myself and uh, his coach Mike Bender laid out for him after Moline uh, was so that he doesn't even have to think about it. Just this is what we need you to do, and um, from how much play we want him to get in, to what skills he needs to be working on, to what skills we think are not where they need to be for St. Andrews. And then, um, you know, Keegan's played uh, pretty, pretty strong recently. Uh, I've noticed a few things in terms of uh, different stretches and how he's played. So I've tried to give him some insight as to. I think we can shore up a couple things um, specifically in the beginning of rounds um, because if you look at how he played in the, in the U.S. Open, he played as well or better than anyone um, probably from holes 5 to 18 for all four days, but he got off the poor starts each day, and I think we've been able to identify kind of some of his mental tendencies that, that aren't helping him the most, and so hopefully he can, you know, uh, be in the right place and, and have a week to work on that this week at the Scottish Open uh, so that, you know, he has more belief in it next week uh, when we get to St. Andrews. 
Awesome. Well, I, I, I could, again, I could talk to you about, uh, forever about all this, but I, I, I got to be mindful of your time. I know you, uh, you're on your, on your way to an appointment. Yep. So, um, I really, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sh- sharing your insight about all this. It's, it's, uh, it's so much fun. I, uh, I'm looking forward to hope I'm going to see you in St. Andrews. Yeah. Well, I hope, I hope I do as well. I appreciate you having me back on and, um, it's it's always a fun time it's it's a good time for golf because um to me the fans over there really really get it uh and they appreciate you know a good four iron uh to 40 feet where sometimes that's not really recognized here in the united states um but but they understand um you know the intricacies of the game i think um, to a larger extent than, than a lot of the population, obviously not than everyone, but that a lot of the population in the United States. And so it, it's just a neat week. The environment is great. Um, and I'm looking forward to it. And the last time I was in St. Andrews, the guy I was with came home with the trophy. So maybe that happens again. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I hope, hopefully that's a good omen. Matt, before you go, Mo, t- we had you on last time. Tell us that your website, the yep. name of your new, uh, your yep. new, program program yeah 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 so uh the website's drmolearntowin.com just d-r-m-o and then learn to win.com uh, and the, the program is called the score better video program i'm really excited it's basically the the same insight i give uh to the players at the highest level because good thinking is good thinking it doesn't really matter what level you're competing at and it's uh you know four to seven-minute videos on very specific things that players can do in specific situations that they encounter in competitive golf. So whether that's finishing out a round or whether that's, you know, how to think right when you have a very difficult bunker shot or whether that's, you know, how to set up putting practice that accounts for speed and technique and pressure. Um, It's all those types of things. So uh, I think the viewers will uh, or the listeners um, would really enjoy it, and you get the first month free, so there's no reason not to go check it out. So, awesome, awesome. Thanks so much, Mo. Travel safe. Alrighty, that, sounds good. Hope to see you over there. That's Doctor Morris Pickens, sports psychologist, headed for the the Open Championship, and see ya. Uh, Chris Foley be following him around probably. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at KLIZ.com. You can also find us uh, at Podcast One, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, good landing spot for Minnesota podcasts. And uh, that due in part to our sponsors, Gravel Pit Golf, Brainerd, Minnesota's newest golf experience. Also, Maury's Seafoods in Baxter and uh, Motley, finest walleye, smoked fish, herring, and seafood and holiday stores in Cross Lake and on Mill Avenue. Chris, special guest, guy pretty involved with the game of golf. We've a good friend of the show. I'll let you handle the introduction. Yeah, I want to welcome back a great friend of mine and good friend of the show, uh, the former golf course superintendent at uh, Madden's Resort, the designer of uh, the classic at Madden's, and now the newly designed or newly opened gravel pit golf course. Scott, uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you. Glad I could be a part of it. Scott, you uh guess you were at Madden's for thirty plus years as the uh as the golf course superintendent. How how did your interest in golf course architecture get started? 
Well, in the early days, actually, I was 43 years. <laughs> so those early days were a ways back. But uh, it was kind of a do-it-yourself property. And as things needed to change or be improved on the golf course, uh, Jim Madden would ask me to do it. And uh, the first thing he asked me to change was the second green on the east course and when i completed it i quickly realized that i need to learn a little more about this design <laughs> <laughs> and the, the green is still there as i built it but i'm not uh, saying it's the best of my work but so anyway i uh, i started to attend some some national seminars and started to collect every book i could find on on golf architecture and it really captured my interest um so that's kind of uh, how i got started in in the design world you know i i'm i'm very passionate about golf course architecture and design and always studying and uh love to travel and and you know see different golf courses and what what are what are some of the golf courses that have inspired your work and you know what what are some of your favorites that uh that you feel like have have shaped your design design philosophy. Yeah, you know that's a good question. I before we built the classic, um, I had gone to school at Michigan State at the Turfgrass Management Program, and I knew what was happening in Northern Michigan. They were starting to build some upscale golf courses. So before um, we built the classic. I had asked Brian if I could spend some time uh, just to see what these golf courses were like. And, of course, that was, was inspirational to me to see what was going on in upscale resort golf. And then, of course, uh, Chris, when you and I took our trip to Scotland, um, that opened up a whole other venue for me. Uh, and, and, of course, very different from the cultured look that we're used to uh, on, on, on Minnesota golf courses, especially the wooded golf courses in the Brainerd Lakes. Right, right. So um, I, I, I guess uh, I'm like you. I, I like to travel and I like to visit golf wherever I go. And, and uh, of course, Bandon and Sand Valley and and all of those venues are, are wonderful and and Pete Dye has always inspired me as well. I I had the chance to play golf with Pete down in the Dominican Republic when uh, just before we built the classic, and it was really interesting to, to hear his thoughts on design. And I guess what I like about Pete is he'll say I'm not an, an architect. I'm a I'm a golf course builder. He doesn't operate with a lot of plans he just goes out and starts moving dirt and uh, and he builds a golf course and he spends a lot of time on site and I, I guess that's what I like to do as well I, I do have plans but they're plans that are, are going to change as you see different visions while you're working the land and the dirt and um, a lot of inspiration comes just as as uh, those bulldozers are, are working their way through the golf course. I would guess that that, that kind of, you know, if we talk about the gravel pit, I would guess that that had to take place a lot 
at the gravel pit. Um, you know, it, it uh, I, I was, I was lucky. My daughter and I got to play there a couple weeks ago and I was, uh, uh, I had been out there a number of times while you were, you were building it, but I was blown away about how much fun it was and how good it was once I did get to play. And, um, you know, how do when you have a site like that, how do you, how do you choose the routing and, and what's what's the process that you go through to uh, to create that design? Yeah, I, I guess for me personally, um, when I visit a site like that, the first thing I do is pray. <laughs> and what I'm looking for is uh, some inspiration, uh, not only for design, but but also to be surrounded by good people. And um, that particular golf course uh, or that, that site, um, I had driven by many times and actually looked in the plat book and I was trying to find out who owned that land and it, it said ESA, E-A-S-A. And I thought, oh, it's some big corporation down in the city. Well, it turned out to be Nathan Toomey and that's the first initials of all his children's names. Um, so anyway, to get back to, the, to your question, that piece of land was just full of part three holes. Um, you know, it, it had a lot of natural topography and a lot of topography developed through, uh, being a gravel pit. And when Nathan brought me out there the first time we stood on what is now the sixth green and looked out and it was, uh, just got my heart thumping and then we went up to where the clubhouse is now which is even a little higher up and a little more of a view and I, I uh, had talked to Nathan about they, his, his youngest son Sam wanted to do something like a dramatic driving range uh, type golf facility and after talking to Nathan and the family we decided this could be a really cool par 3 along the lines of what, what you're seeing built at, at Abandoned and Sand Valley and Pinehurst and and uh, these have been very popular uh, venues for for golfers that like to do more of a match play gambler style round um, so that's sort of how that all started yeah it's, it's not your it's not definitely not your typical par 3 golf course um I mean, just some great design features, and uh, you know, it's it's very it's a very unique look to this part of Minnesota for sure, but Minnesota in general. And it, it really reminds me, Scott, of a lot of uh, what you'd see in the in the Pinehurst or the the Carolina Sand Hills, uh, or you know, maybe on the uh, you know something that you'd see in the middle of Nebraska or north of Dakota, South Dakota. Where, sandy blown out bunkers and uh really cool undulation and green sites and um what, what did you did you see that same thing when you when you saw the site i did it, it, it's rare to find a site that has a sand that can be used for greens mix and this site had that um so when i look at a par three hole as a designer, you understand that there's not always a lot of strategy to playing a par three, but 
the fun thing about a par three is almost everyone feels like they can score par uh, on that type of a hole. And what I'm looking for when I stand on the tee is something that uh, I guess gives gives a little bit of a righteous fear, knowing that, yeah, I should par this, might even birdie this, maybe a hole-in-one, but I could easily get a double bogey. And that's kind of what what I try to inspire from the tee is, is uh, it's just not a pitch and putt. It's, uh, it's going to really require uh, maybe on some holes you don't play at the flag. You, you play away from the flag to get to the flag and things like that. A righteous fear. What a great term that is, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, what, uh, do, you, uh, do you have some favorite holes at the gravel pit? If you can do describe those. Yeah. Well, um, I, I like number one, and we, we call it Camp Miss. It's a 15,000-square-foot green. So to put that in perspective, most greens around the Brainerd area typically would be six to 8,000 square feet. So it's a huge green. It's, it's easy to hit. You're, you're shooting down at it. And um, there's just one real feature right in the middle of the green. We put kind of a pimple in the, in the middle that makes uh, the green divide into quadrants. Once the green speeds pick up a little bit, it'll be important to be in the right quadrant. Um, so I think that's a great starting hole. Um, I love the sixth hole. It's a 60-yard straight uphill blind shot. Um, and it's uh, really, you're, you're going to feel good to get a par on a 60-yard par three on that hole. <laughs> And, uh, and of course, Chris, you remember when we played Prestwick, and, and I never forgot the Himalaya par three, the blind par three. So I had yes. to work that into, which is our fourth hole. I cheated a little bit. We've got two tees. One tee, you can see most of the green, and the other tee, it's uh, completely blind. Um, so that's, that's kind of a fun one. And, and then the, uh, Eight hole is a double plateau, so it's got two small plateau greens surrounded by valleys, um, and, and it's just a 90 to 110 yard shot, but probably the most difficult to stick um, on either one of those, especially the front plateau. Um, so that's that's another one of the. the kind of a template style hole that's been around for a long time and and then the 13th hole is I guess I haven't seen one like that before but what I was actually thinking of is it's kind of a reverse Beeritz hole so typically on a Beeritz green as you know the, the center section of the green drops way down in this one the center section of the green is a is a raised plateau, um, so that's that's kind of a fun one, I think, as well. So yeah, it's it's hard to choose one. Sorry. <laughs> no, that that I, that was uh, I would say that was my my favorite uh, green on the golf course as well. But, uh, yep. oh, that's great, Scott. Scott, you have some uh, some other 
design work going on and uh, close to home in the Brainerd Lakes area over at Rutgers Bay Lake. Yeah, uh, Rutgers, as many people know, the, the Alec 9 was uh, probably the oldest golf course in the Brainerd Lakes area. And it had kind of gone to seed the last few years and the new owners um, wanted to develop some housing uh, and that was sitting on about a 40 or 50 acre swath of ground and and they said can you uh, build us a more of a wet style par 3 golf course on 15 acres in the middle um, so they gave us 15 acres we we dug a three acre lake in the center and then we worked our holes going in and out of uh, the lake uh, I guess Chris you've been to Augusta enough it'll maybe remind you a little bit of the par 3 course at Augusta it's wow. a lot more of a, a cultured look but some great little green sites to the water and away from the water and and it'll be all, all bent grass so you'll be able to not only play the green, the holes with a wedge, but you could actually uh, putt the holes if you wanted to from, from tee to green. Nice. I, uh, that's exciting. I, uh, you, Scott, you're kind of becoming a par three specialist. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm getting too old to do a 30 foot hole <laughs> complex. So, <laughs> but I do enjoy the par threes. Yeah, we had Dave on uh, a week or so ago, Sadlowski, and he was awfully excited about the things that were happening with the Alex Nine. Yeah, they are. They they've been great to work with, and and it's a it's a whole different thing than than our area around here, where we're all sand and they're all clay. So uh, when you get a rain there, that slows your construction process down by two or three days. So not moving quite as fast as we would like but it's it's pretty much all shaped and greens mix in and and our goal is to start seeding in august so that should be ready for some preview play i'm hoping later this fall fantastic i wanted to touch on that uh, the number one at the at the gravel pit can't miss you know a guy like me takes that as a challenge scott yeah <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll see about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, wor the world of golf course design was uh, pretty dormant for uh, for about a decade, and uh, about the only work was uh, restoration work. But, boy, there, it certainly uh, picked up steam again with a lot of new golf courses that uh, are either, you know, kind of being talked about being built or are under construction now. So, uh, it's, a, it's a good time to be back in the golf course architects game yeah it's 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 a lot of fun for me and i, I kind of like to be local i'm not interested in traveling much so it's, it's fun to help out people that i know and golf courses i'm familiar with and i don't have to get too far from home so nice, i, I yeah. enjoy that a lot yeah you guys who think the way you do chris a uh, student of it and uh, you a builder scott do you Ever look at a piece of ground and, and not think I could put a couple golf holes right there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I won't tell you about what I think when I ski through the arboretum. I probably get too many people excited. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Yeah, there's uh, there's certainly a lot of places you drive by in our area and think, boy, that'd be a great place for a golf hole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Scott, we sure appreciate well, Scott, you. Th- Go ahead, Chris. Th- I was just going to say thanks so much for uh, for coming on the show and uh, and telling us all about the gravel pit and your other design work. Well, I appreciate being on, and uh, thank you. Good to talk to you again, Scott. Yeah, take care, Mac. Scott Hoffman, a legendary golf course designer of the Classic and working on some uh, legendary par 3 courses in the area. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, streaming at uh, KLIZ.com and also find us at Podcast One and really wherever you go looking for your podcast, you can find us. At Lakes, Woods, and Irons, brought you away in part by Mills Automotive since 1922, celebrating 100 years in the Brainerd area. Emily Green's home to the largest green in the universe. It's all about fun at Emily Green's. And also Maury's Seafood Markets in Baxter and Motley. Finest walleye, smoked fish, herring, and seafood, as Paul always says. Eat more fish. Have uh, Chris with me. Chris, a couple of great guests. Boy, uh, uh, guys who know a little bit about the game. Uh, Dr. Morris Pickens and Scott Hoffman. Yeah, fun, uh, fun show. Um, but really fun here, getting some insight on kind of the the PGA Tour's mindset going into a championship and how they prepare for it. Uh, always fun talking to Scott about uh, golf course design, his work. Yeah, yeah. Had a great event up at Craigens uh, last week that I was involved with. Um, uh, Joe Haig and Jesse Zahn from the class of uh, 2010 in Brainerd. Both were football players. Joe has obviously gone on to the NFL and has a Super Bowl ring and is now with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And a nice event. 32 teams uh, packed the place and a fantastic dinner. Uh, uh, steak and uh, and walleye was, or prime rib and walleye, I should say, just a great dinner and really all-around great event. NFL memorabilia, all a fundraiser for uh, Brainerd Warrior football, but uh, just a terrific event. Had some good players with us, and we got talking about, uh, well, amateur view of uh, the shafts in clubs, and some of the guys really uh, changed their shafts in the last year. And uh, let's talk a little bit about that, Chris, what a difference a, a shaft in the club can make and that fitting process that we've talked about before on the show. But uh, what is the unique uh, part of the shaft that's in that process of fitting? You know it, the the shaft, the shaft makes such a difference, and uh, you know part part of the fitting process is finding the right the right shaft that's going to perform the best for you. And you know we've taken you through a fitting before, but what will you find is that all the shaft is is basically a timing device. And if you have the right shaft in your hands, it's it's gonna you're gonna have a, a narrower shot dispersion, so your misses are gonna be be closer to the center and that's really what playing good golf is all about is is taking our miss hits from wide to narrow but uh you know have the right shaft it just makes the golf club much easier to hit and there's a couple elements to it it's the it's the flex of the shaft so how rigid the shaft is it there's the weight of the shaft and then there's also shaft material and there's there's a couple different you know you have steel shafts and then graphite shafts and then a lot of times a combination of steel and graphite that, that make up a shaft and um you know if you have the right shaft in the golf club it's just going to make it that much easier to hit and i actually i was doing a little uh 
bidding on myself on uh, over the weekend, Mac, trying to trying to find the right driver to take with me overseas. And right, um, you know, I, I the driver I had last year was my favorite driver I've, I've ever had i hit i hit it better i hit it further than i hit anything else and you know of course when when Cowie comes out with a new driver I, I i always get that new driver and you know so that it had a different shaft in it than what i had and, and I, when i hit it on sunday and i hit it on track when i hit it really well and i just wanted to i hit my i hit my last year's driver first I had a last year's driver in a slightly different head that I hit, and then I hit the the new one, and then I started kind of mixing the shafts up, and and the shaft I was using last year is called a, a an Autoflex shaft, and it's kind of a exotic shaft, and they're they're expensive, but they're, it's amazing how well they perform, and. Um, so when I hit this year's dri- driver with the shaft that I, I had gotten in it, I hit it well, it performed okay. My last year's driver was performing slightly better. So then I put the Autoflex shaft in this, this year's head and it was like with night and day and it, all of a sudden the club became really easy to hit and really straight. And it wasn't significantly longer, but I was hitting a 10 yard, I was carrying the ball 10 yards longer and it was just like night and day, and uh, all of a sudden you have a lot of confidence with the club in your hand. And uh, now I can't wait wait to get over there and play. Amazing what ten yards of carry means uh, psychologically. You know, if you have to say just pick a distance, say two hundred, and you're kind of comfortable in that two ten, but you really have to hit it pretty good to get to two ten. Well, if it's two twenty, then you think, well, I can I can clear that okay, even if I miss it just a little bit. So. Yeah, exactly. I know when we were when I was coming up, um, you know, it just kind of used to be stiff shaft for the long hitters. It seemed like, and then a regular shaft. Uh, but there's so much technology and so much advancement, and uh, so many options now for golfers, Chris. Yeah, there there are. It, it's amazing. It's it's hard to be able to even keep up with the number of shafts brands and weights and flexes and, and how they all characteristically work but you know so traditionally shaft flex has really been based strictly on club head speed and you know if you were if you were a player that swung a driver let's say you know 98 miles or higher you were a stiff shaft if you were somewhere in the 85 to 95 range or as a re- you were a regular flex shaft you know, 75 to 85 senior flex, uh, you know, below that ladies flex and, and, and speed definitely has a, an impact on it, but you're all, you also have to look at the weight of the shaft, you know, kind of the, the different properties within the shaft, how the shaft bends, uh, how stiff the tip is, all these different factors that go into creating the, the ball flight that you desire. And, um, that, that's that's why that's one of the reasons why a club fitting is so critical and in, in being able to compare shaft to shaft to shaft, launch angles, spin numbers, ball speeds, and it it, it makes a big difference once you get that that one in your hands that uh, performs the best for you. Yeah, really does, and I definitely recommend a professional fitting. It's uh, that shot dispersion is what I've really noticed with my uh, irons uh, that we changed out last year. It's uh, not. Uh, 
not quite as wide, so that's very helpful at times. So a great guest. We want to thank uh, Scott Hoffman and Morris Perkins for joining us. And uh, Chris, next time we talk, we'll, uh, you'll be uh, at St. Andrews with a quick conversation as we uh, put together next week's show. But you're going on the road. Going on the road. We'll do, uh, do a little remote broadcast, hopefully, and uh, <laughs> look, forward, look forward to talking to you from, uh, from St. Andrews. All right. Good show. Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Mac. That's Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.